on this episode of Why Watch That. Let's be ridiculous. Like, what is, what is going on? Like, these people are making such bad stuff nowadays, but they don't have any fun with it. <laughs> what happened to that? <laughs> I mean, just look. Like, you're just looking. Look, literally look. Oh, I can see this. I see that. Let me look up here. Like, that's how, like... <laughs> but that's still better than... Yeah, but that's insane. <laughs> Just because all women go through such and such and so forth. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we are magical creatures now, Craig. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> we are. I should be a hawk too, then. <laughs> I'm a black man. Because that's a reason why a lot of people watch it. I don't even want to hear it about the, you know, okay, it's a political show and it's all this intricacies. A lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people watch it for the gore and the sex. Stop it. We got some real problems in the world. This ain't it. It ain't high paid actors being called names. Even vile, disgusting names that should not be countenanced. Even that. You give me 200K per episode, Call me whatever you want. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this. I will not be going, oh, look at what they called me. I'm like, you see that bank account? I done told you what sales told us about the market rate. They can afford the market rate. Welcome to Why Watch That, your guide to the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. We're on a quest to go from channel to channel, platform to platform, and festival to festival to help you figure out what you want to watch. We do all the work so you don't have to. So get ready for some unexpectedly candid and entertaining reviews that will help you answer the ultimate question, why watch that? Welcome back to another episode of Why Watch That. I am Brandy, the producer, joined by Chauncey, the critic. All right, guys. And before we get started, I just want you to re like to remind you that we're on video. What does that mean? That means if you used to listen to Why Watch That exclusively on audio, because that's all we offered, um, outside of the YouTube videos that we converted, but you didn't get a chance to see us, now you can go to YouTube. Why Watch That? YouTube channel and see us because we're on video, not just audio. We're giving you options and we want to know, want you to know that you can decide how you want to consume. Yeah. And they can go to our site. Let's not forget why watch that.com. Yes. Critic for, for making sure we, we uh, prioritize the owned media, the owned media as they call oh. it. Okay. Oh, All right. My gosh. <laughs> well, we got a lot of owned media to talk about today. All right, so let's. Who uh, owns it? Who owns it? <laughs> so we're gonna jump in to the uh, to the episode, and we're gonna start with our movie first look. Um, this movie first look is brought to us by Paramount Plus, and it's called Orphan: First Kill. Um, it is a prequel to a 2009 horror film by the name of Orphan. Um, oh. and, yeah, if you didn't know. Listen, I'm not assuming anything. Um, <laughs> Critic's going to tell us what is it about? <laughs> Who should be watching? Oh my gosh. It is in theaters as well. And if you don't have Paramount Plus, you don't want to go to a theater, you can purchase it digitally. Mm. <laughs> Is it worth your time and money? <laughs> so everyone's favorite piano playing psychopathic, what, artist, painter, is back. Ooh. The orphan herself. And this is a prequel, like uh, Brandy said, to Orphan. So if you saw Orphan, you know what it's about. If you didn't see Orphan, would I start watching this Probably not. That would be a good question. Even though it's a prequel, I would probably still watch Orphan first because the reason is there are reveals. There's a reveal in Orphan and a reveal in uh, First Kill. 
and the reveals won't work as well if you go like in chronological order of their timeline so go in order of release i would say if you want to watch this and you haven't seen orphan now so we got this supposed orphan um and her name is esther or is it and in first kill we see where she originated how she got out you know of course she likes to kill first kill and how she went to a family that was referenced in the first orphan movie we already know what happened to the family so now this story is told but the real question is who are the family members what are they about so how did she get to them what was the scheme because there's some sort of scheme they receive her into the family why enthusiastic or so we think and then the killing commences i mean this is what happens but what's the twist now they promise a twist even in the description of this movie will you see it coming not necessarily especially not if you if you didn't know there was a twist i think then people really wouldn't suspect it um and that's it so i mean there's only so much i can say plot wise there's a crazy person who's in the care of some people like in Estonia. She gets out. She ends up with a family as their kid. People die. Like if I give away more, I'm giving it away. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about who created this mess because I didn't even say that. So it's directed by William Brent Bell. Screenplay by David Cogshall or Kogas Hall. I'm not to say that. Story by uh, David Leslie Johnson, Mick Goldrick, and Alex Mace, based on Alex's characters. All of these people. To come. <laughs> okay. It's starring Isabel Furman, who is back. Now, imagine how can the same person who played this character in 2009 come back in a prequel playing the same role? Mm. What does that mean? Mm. Uh, Rasif Sutherland is also in it, along with Julia Stiles, uh, Matthew Finland, and Hiro Kanagawa. When this started, let's say the first half of it, like this orphan character just annoys me completely. Um, really just annoying. Like not fun, annoying, you know, she's a killer, that kind of thing. Just annoying, annoying. Like get rid of her immediately. So the first half of this movie, it was like more of orphan, that feeling where she's getting away with stuff. I was annoyed. I didn't, I almost stopped watching it, honestly. I was like, I, I just don't need this. But I was like, let me wait because they promised the twist. Let me just wait for the twist. And then the twist happens, producer, and I found it a bit fun, actually. Okay. I did. I think they could have gone further, though. I really wanted them to go all the way, mommy dearest. Let's let's be ridiculous. Like what is what is going on? Like these people are making such bad stuff nowadays, but they don't have any fun with it. <laughs> what happened to that? <laughs> like if it's bad and you have fun, we can forgive you. We can go with you. They're having a little bit of fun, mm-hmm. but it was a bit too responsible. Mm-hmm. But I was I did laugh a few times. I do have to say, and if you're gonna do orphan to me, this is the best way to do it. Like, like flip it on her, and with this twist, they do it. And you know, so just make her squirm. It was fun to see people make her squirm. It's almost like a demented home alone when you mm-hmm. get to that second half. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. But you know how it ends, mm-hmm. which kind of blunts the fun of it. Um, because obviously she's gonna have to get away with it because it's a prequel. But it was nice to see her kind of squirm. Mm-hmm. Um, so in comparison to Orphan, which one do I prefer? That's a hard question to answer. Like Orphan, they were being really responsible in that movie. <laughs> creating it. I mean, you have Vera Farmiga and uh, Peter Sarsgaard as uh, her adopted parents and so on. And, you know, I mean, they were being really responsible. Mm-hmm. CCH Pounder is like the nun that you know, is in charge of the orphanage she was in. Like, these are responsible people. That's a responsible, like, horror movie. And I was okay with it. I just hate this character. Like, hate the character. Hate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
and first killed, if it was just the second half, I'd probably prefer it mm -hmm. to Orphan, but it's not. Mm -hmm. So I think if you like the first one, you definitely should watch First Kill. If you haven't seen either, again, start with Orphan. Um, if you hate that character as much as I do, just know the second half of First Kill, you might get a bit back. <laughs> That's what I would say. But, you know, it, they're, they're not, you know, it's not like they're saying this is a great movie. You have to watch it. I think you're going to get what you think you're going to get if you watch it. So that's what I would say. There you go. All right. Cool. Yeah. That seems simple enough. Um, yeah. I'm would you watch this, producer, listening to that? I'm interested in what you would say. Probably. Like, that book is not good. I'm just thinking pro it's a probably. It gets me a probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it's a, oh, I need something to watch. All right. I heard about this orphan thing. Now, is it? Let me add this to the list and make sure I watch it. Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> uh, TV Sneak Peaks is up next with um a Netflix property by the name of Partner Track. Um, so yeah, I have no idea what it's about. I could go down my make a fake synopsis rabbit oh, hole. Yeah, what do you think it is about? That would be interesting. <laughs> go ahead, look that up. I want to hear it. So I think Partner Trek is a uh, is a movie about the TV show. A TV, yes, a TV <laughs> show. See, I even gave it a whole the genre. Um, a TV show about a track team that tries to do business together. After now, when someone's on a Partner Trek producer, <laughs> what are we typically talking about? <laughs> it means they're working in the office trying to work up the corporate ladder. In yeah. which office, typically, if you're on the partner track? Uh, generally, it's a law firm. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> you can lead a horse to water, I tell you that. <laughs> I just like to switch it up a little bit. <laughs> well, that was interesting. That would be an interesting play. You know, it's a track team, but, you know, they're part, they come up with some business to be partners. Yeah. <laughs> That's way too creative for what we have here. Right. And just so you know, everybody, this premieres uh, Friday, August 26th on Netflix. Um, okay. Now, you got some actors in this thing that the younger generations might, uh, you know, like. Because I think, like, Arden Cho, who plays the lead, Ingrid, is from Teen Wolf or something. Yeah, Teen Wolf. And, you know, actors mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't act. Let's just be real. These people can't act. Mm. Not all of them, but, you know, I, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> I'm going to attempt to not get canceled. <laughs> you can't cancel me for saying they can't act. They can't act. But you haven't mentioned any names, so no one can come. I haven't. You. <laughs> <laughs> they can come. If you come, then you don't know anything. Okay? And I, I don't mean about acting. You don't know anything. They can't act. Some of these people. <laughs> anyway. So Arden's in it along with uh, Bradley Gibson, Alexandra Tertian, Dominic Sherwood, Rob Heaps, Nolan Gerard Funk, who works a lot, and Matthew Rauch. All of them are in it. And it was created by Georgia Lee. Now, Georgia Lee, by the way, was involved in The Expanse and The 100. So, you know, the level of quality we have here. And it's based on Helen Wan's book of the same name. So we have Ingrid. She's on the partner track. You know, she's at the law firm and she's ready to have a promotion to become a partner. They're looking for partners. It's time. But she has rivals. And one rival in particular is Dan. Now, Dan seems to be vapid, but he has connections. So maybe he's formidable, even though he's not as skilled. And what happens is someone comes in from across the pond. And maybe he's going to throw a monkey rich into all of their plans. And this person, his name is Jeff Murphy. But they call him Murphy. Murphy. So, you know, he's a smooth operator. And what is going on between Murphy and Ingrid? Hmm, that's a question. Now, also, Murphy has a friend who doesn't care about the partner track at all. Rachel is her name. And they both have another friend who 
you know, he's like specializes in fashion and stuff like that. He does fashion law. I don't know what they're talking about when I'm watching it, but you know, why not throw him in? We need some diversity. Um, so, okay. You have all of these people. It's kind of like a Darren star show, you know, you get into like a kind of glossier legal world. People are younger than a lot of Darren star productions. Typically like, not, like, talking about younger itself if liza were actually 26 that would be accurate here so they're that age and you know there's some going to be some romantic things and some scheming and whatever else is going on here so i mentioned darren star because i really don't need to dive into what's happening it's a soap opera in a law firm whatever so it's like if Darren Starr were commissioned to do a legal show for the CW. Like his CW version of Suits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's bad Darren Starr. Mm-hmm. So it's not Sex in the City Darren Starr. It's not Younger Darren Starr. It's like Emily in Paris Darren Starr. So if we're thinking of Suits because the producer's going, Suits, wait a minute. <laughs> I like that show. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not that Suits is a great show. Suits knows what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, when you watch it, you can have some fun. And they are very serious, and it becomes ridiculous as a result. So that's the fun of Suits and all of their language, all of that. You don't have anything anything like that here. Just all of that ridiculous, dramatic fun jettisoned. Replace it with gloss and younger characters again. So is it easy to watch? Yes. But it's also awkwardly executed it's a wannabe fairy tale and it's instantly forgettable hmm. after the first episode which i was kind of offended by in execution they do get a bit better um so it's not an outright embarrassment because i was like okay i'm about to stop but let me go to the second episode and they they kind of you know made sure that no one laughs them out of every room they enter also watching some of this it was kind of nauseating just watching i was kind of like oh <laughs> like you know, I don't want to be around these people also if you have a main character who's so smart who's so capable and so worthy of being a partner why is she making stupid mistakes like obvious mistakes to anybody watching the show if you have a rival why would you tell them what your strategy is going to be before you enter the room with a client because there's this big client they're fighting to get and then you get the partner track and you know they have to impress the boss that whole thing I, I just found that annoying. It was hard for me to root for her. Not that that was a consistent thing, but that was in the first episode. That's how you introduce this person. Is she perceptive or is she naive? Mm. But regardless of all of that, really the show is Ingrid and Jeff Murphy. That's the show. There is a bit of fire there between them. And then there's also this boyfriend she has who's wealthy and connected. And so there's this trio of stuff going on, but they don't know that's their show. They don't focus on it enough, at least not early on, based on what I saw. But that's all it needs. Like, I didn't need anything else. Mm-hmm. You can just make sleazy trash that people will watch that way. It's great. I mean, the writing's bad. The acting's bad. It's a bunch of crap in the way. But that was something. Anyway, maybe they seize on that as the season progresses. I'm not going to finish this trash. I also think that half-hour episodes would have been better here if any show needed half-an-hour episodes. It's this one. Because then you're out of it. Like Emily in Paris. So there are a few moments that come close to hitting with that whole trio. Most of it does not at all. It's a lot of misses. It will have an audience, though. It's a legal rom-com for the Emily in Paris crowd that's a bit less fanciful. A bit. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. All right. I know what I will not be watching. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Almost made you love me. Almost made you cry. <laughs> yes, because almost doesn't <laughs> count. That's, That's right. <laughs> TV series. For Look me. at that. Doing a Brandy song in front of a Brandy. Isn't that great? <laughs> and Brandy knowing the reference on top of it. <laughs> oh, oh, very good. 
Pat on the back to you. I can't keep on loving you. Oh, that's one of my favorite songs of hers. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. Check um, it out, everybody. I think recently, Brandy talking about Brandy. <laughs> she did a live version mm. of some of her songs. Mm -hmm. It was like during the whole pandemic thing. Um, maybe it was for Apple. I can't remember, but I think you can find it on YouTube. I think she did that on there. Mm. It was a great rendition of it. Huh. Nice and easy the way I like it. Just sitting down, singing, and you know, knowing yeah. you can sing. Making it simple. Even though people like to hate on Brandy. I know. I don't know what's up with that. Whatever. Whatever. You try it. Huh? I say you try it to these people. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, some people have a problem with the quality of her voice. I get it. But she can sing. Like, she can sing. Yeah, I heard that recently about Erica Badu, which I thought was very interesting. See, Erica Badu, though, is Erica Badu. Erica Badu. Exactly. doesn't need to be a brilliant singer. And they are pre-autotune. So pre-autotune artists, I respect. You have to be able to actually sing on tune. Like, you don't have to love what they're doing. That's not even what a recording artist is about. It's like what you said, Brandy. It's a vibe. Yeah. All right. Most of them can't sing their way into or out of a paper bag nowadays. And now that we're done with why hear that, we'll transition back into why watch that. All you right. just read that one. <laughs> on to our TV series premieres um, and we're going to kick that off with the Undeclared War brought to us by um, Peacock as a mini series so what is this about critic who's in it who should be watching and you know mini series in quotes okay <laughs> you know now what's happening here is it's 2024 in this show we're in Great Britain Boris Johnson is out as prime minister, which actually already happened, but, you know. <laughs> and we have a new prime minister. And what's the undeclared war? Well, I'll get to that in a moment. Hmm. So this doesn't center on the government, per se. It centers on Hannah Kalik Brown's character, Sarah. Sarah is having a work experience, they call it over there. Here we call it an internship you know, but you're in school and you do that whole internship while you're in college. Mm -hmm. So that's what she's doing. Or university, as they say across the pond. University. So she is, you know, great at coding and all of that. That's her expertise. She's been hired to go to the GCHQ, which is like government communications headquarters or something like that. I'm not British. So she's hired to work for their malware department fighting against it because there is some malware that came to them and shut things down shut the internet down except for like social media what is going on mm -hmm. who's behind it this is the undeclared war who do you think would be behind a cyber attack on a nation state now what does this have to do with her she's just on work experience it's not like she's a legitimate employee now, early on in the show, we see her skills and we see that she may not be the best. She's in a competition and there's someone else who beats her. How does he come into play here? Because he's also working at GCHQ, but in a different department. Mm -hmm. There's also some classmates of hers and we have flashbacks. How are they going to play a role? And by the way, she's shacked up with her boyfriend who was her college professor why do we even know this how is this explained <laughs> and at the gchq there is a representative of the nsa from the states there how is she going to connect to sara that's another question so there are a lot of tangled relationships here and the question is how do they relate to this undeclared cyber war that's going to happen because this malware is like a Trojan horse. Mm -hmm. What's really inside of it? Mm -hmm. And where is this going to lead? And of course, you know, Sarah's going to figure some stuff out. Nobody believes her. And, you know, but she's really right. Or is she right? And she also has this family life thing that's going on. Uh, she comes from a Muslim family. She was very close 
or is very close to her father. Something's going on with her father. Her mother's angry at her because she never comes home. The father's in trouble. She's really the only one who can communicate with him. She has siblings, you know, that whole kind of thing. Here's the point. If they stick to the title <laughs> where we are dealing with the cyber attack, it is an interesting show. I mean, along with Hannah Click Brown in the lead, you have Simon Pegg in this. Uh, Adrian Lester's playing that um, PM, I believe. He plays that. Mark Rylance is popping up here like Academy Award winner. Just in here. What role does he play? Mm. Is he like a mentor to her or not? I won't tell you. Mm. So when they are focused on that, it's just like any other British thriller. They know how to do those. The issue is it's a tale of two TV shows. Mm. The personal stuff was in the way. Some of it I was like, why is this even in here? It doesn't even connect. Some of it does connect. Some of it doesn't. You spend way too much time on it at certain spots where you're like, can we, like, is time of the essence? <sighs> also, they do have this interesting way of showing how Sarah gets into code. You'll see that. I won't give away how that is depicted. So it's not just like you're watching somebody read code. They do show that, but they also show what will be going on in her head. My only issue is that some of the acting is too studied from Hannah. Like when she is in those scenes where they're showing, um, you know, how she sees code. I was like, you are not literally looking at anything. You're pretending to look. Like <laughs> an actor is coming to mind when it comes to that when you're looking around and you're not seeing anything. I mean, oh, hello. Like this is basic acting. <laughs> okay. Uh Tenet, that movie's coming to mind. <laughs> where it's like you're not looking at it. What is that? Literally. No. No, she's not that bad. <laughs> but it's more like this. I mean, no one's are you on the glasses. <laughs> like, it's like a, so those little th like that's a little thing. I wasn't quite buying it all the way, but I did like the cyber part. I mean, just look. Like you're just looking. Look, literally look. Oh, I can see this. I see that. Let me look up here. Like that's how like <laughs> but that's still better than yeah but that's insane <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go all six episodes are available on Peacock I did finish it uh, I like half of it <laughs> the half that was the show what it was supposed to be they like didn't need any of the personal stuff it was enough to just do the cyber stuff it was enough all the people dealing with that that was enough I don't get it all right, what's next? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I think we're descending <laughs> into the thonic depths. I'm going to use a big word there. So if you don't know what that means, you're going to find out. What's next, producer? Oh my goodness. What's next is that we're going to remind everybody that we are on Buy Me a Coffee. What is Buy Me a Coffee? Like, what is that? What are you talking about? I thought the, the critic and the, the, the producer don't even like coffee. Um, that's true. But Buy Me a Coffee is a platform where you can support the work that we do here at Why Watch That. Um, it allows you to commit something as small as $5 to help to keep this show abreast. And we also have a tool or two over there if you actually want to uh, get a tangible in exchange for the support but to guess what guys though we would love for you to buy us a coffee we also would love for you to subscribe or like this episode that too also helps us in our mission to continue the work that we do here at why watch that now buy me a coffee dot com forward slash why watch that is how you support or you could literally just hit the bell or like the episode and that will be much appreciated too yes do people share episodes? Because people always say that, like, share, and and subscribe. Do people actually share? You know, that's a good question. Um, I do. I copy links and send them to people. I don't. I don't know if I'll ever use the um, the feature where you like share right to a platform. Mm -hmm. But I definitely copy the link and share it. 
definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And it's not that I dislike <laughs> coffee, by the way. I just don't drink it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have to agree with you on that. I like, I use the flavor a lot in, as an aromatic, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need it. All right, chef. What's next? <laughs> yeah, chef. <laughs> Up next is Disney Plus's She-Hulk, which is all the rave if you haven't been on on the social media web. That's not the full title. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm giving a little bit of a don't don't gravy, pause. They're gonna a come little gravy before I finish. Um, <laughs> She-Hulk, attorney at law. <laughs> um, yeah, everybody's chatting about this critic. So, uh, what is it about? Who should be watching it? <laughs> We see how you what kind of get what you think. Yeah, everybody's chatting about it. Give us the tea on social media or the coffee. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the title says it all. Mm-hmm. She Hawk, the Hawk's cousin, who's an attorney. Mm-hmm. She's a deputy um, district attorney, I believe, is what it is, and she's preparing for closing arguments in a case. Now, she does have a colleague who is like the co-counsel. He thinks he should give the closing argument. And he says little snide remarks. But, you know, he's a man, so he doesn't know anything. And I'm not just saying that. That's how the show sets it up. She also has a friend who's on the case who's a paralegal who believes in her. She's a woman, so she's smart. That's the show. Um, now, what happens is she's preparing for this closing argument. And Tatiana Msilani plays... She Hulk, eventually. Jennifer Walters is her real name. And after she does this preparation, has this scene with the paralegal and the colleague, and you know. She then turns to camera, to us, talks to us and says, hey, you're not here to see a legal show. You're here to see the Hulk stuff. Let me talk to you about that. So we go back to the moment when she became She Hulk. She was riding along the road with her cousin. Okay. The Hulk. The Hulk. Something happens that leads to her turning into She-Hulk. I won't tell you what happens. So then he has to train her on how to handle this. But does she even need training? Because everything he needs to tell her, she essentially already knows how to do. Just naturally. Why? Just because. Remember, he's a man, she's a woman. That's how they set it up. I I don't even know how else to say this. I mean, that's how they set it up. There's literally a scene, and you could probably find this clip somewhere online or on YouTube, where she's talking to him about being a woman and how that's prepared her for this. Mm. Just because all women go through such and such and so forth. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we are magical creatures now, Craig. Oh, my God. We are. I should be a Hulk too, then. <laughs> I'm a black man. You know, everything I put up with, I'm prepared. <laughs> okay. Like, is this the Twilight Zone? Here's my point all characters need to go through obstacles, especially characters who are going to adopt just outrageous powers you must have obstacles you must have setbacks you must go through a learning curve that's what gets us to be on your side and that's good storytelling if you take away all obstacles because she's a woman that's terrible storytelling and it's offensive to women (laughs) as a non-woman Because what that means is, oh, so you can't go through troubles and overcome? Like, we're taking that away? It makes no sense. It's bad on all fronts. All fronts. It's lazy. And it's offensive. To everybody. In my opinion. They're breaking the fourth wall here, as I said. Am I taking this seriously or not? No, if you're going to do something like that. So it's supposed to be fun. But it's riddled with cliches. Again, lack of obstacles. We have the Hulk in here, a character that's predicated upon dealing with obstacles. That's the point of the Hulk. The Hulk has consequences. You got to learn how to deal with this new body, your rage, like all of that. And 
when the Hulk is talking to her about this, you know, he's talking about his process, how that happened. He has a, a binder of all of this stuff. She's like, I don't need that. It's ridiculous. And, you know, he's looking at her like, oh, okay, so you can just do it. Who wants to see this? <laughs> like, literally, this is the first episode. And then we finally come to the end of the episode where she finally is in court giving this uh, closing argument. And you know what happens. Somebody pops into the courtroom, a villain, time for her to fight. And you go, oh, here we go. She's going to have a setback. What do you think happens? The only good thing I can say about this outside of the actors themselves being in it, not even their acting, the actors who are respectable, is that it's uh, about a half an hour, that episode. I can't with this. I mean, it would be comical if it wasn't so lame. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm. okay. <laughs> this is where we've, this is where we've gone. Mm. And I always talk about the soft bigotry of low expectations. Mm. It really bothers me with this stuff. I'm sick and tired of these agendas. Cause if you were able to have your agenda and tell a good story, I'm fine. I don't care. You can do whatever you want as long as it's good. But when you're replacing this and, and where it's starting to, to just, degenerate this is what i'm talking about here trash mm. basura in spanish all right or rubbish i think you said that you like i do producer. i like rubbish yeah. but put it in the bin in the bin yeah um yeah and i don't know Ridiculous. i think just came to my mind because of the hulk and the green i don't know that just popped in <laughs> <laughs> They need some Oscar the Grouch in this, movie, in this show. They need some. He needs to pop out of his trash can and just, you know, spew on the whole ridiculousness. I was like, this can't be it. They've got to do a twist or something on this. Maybe it'll be in the next episode, but I won't be watching. You've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding. Irresponsible. Unforgivable. Period. If this is progress, I want to regress. All right, critic. What's this mo? Like, what? Ha what about Alien with Ripley? Right. Uh -huh. If we want to talk about female characters, mm -hmm. does she just know how to do it? Mm -mm. What about if we go to Terminator? Mm -hmm. Did she just know what she was doing? Okay. Mm. It's disrespectful. Mm. So you know, don't come for me. It ain't about gender. It's about trash. On the behalf of gender. Yeah. Do whatever you want. I, if it's good, I'm going to say it's good. I don't care. Good. Let's do it. <sighs> Guys, I got the critic all worked up. But let's see if I mean, you got to watch this. I'm now I'm kind of curious, even though I had no intention. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> like she doesn't fail at all? That's not even real. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. See, that's that's my point. All. Yeah. And so are you really saying that, are you really respecting women with this? No, I don't think so. But that's just like, is that what you're really doing? You're disrespecting us all. Mm. Men literally and women figuratively. Hmm. Interesting. Well, let's see if Netflix can bring us back around to the, to the, non-offensive side with mm -hmm. uh, with mo and i can't even make up a can't even make up a scenario for that one so critic you're gonna have to totally tell us what <laughs> what this is about and who should be watching yeah and it, mo is short for muhammad oh. um yeah now it is based on the co-creator's uh own story muhammad amur uh who by the way is in rami He's friends with Rami Youssef. So he and Rami created the show together. Again, based on Mo's life as a refugee, someone seeking asylum in Houston, Houston, Texas. So, you know, he's in Houston trying to work. He's not legal. How does that work out? And he lives with his mother and his older brother. Now, his older brother is somewhere on the spectrum. So he has to you know, try to accommodate his brother. He also has a sister, but his sister's married away from the family. They're all, again, seeking asylum, but you know that process is going to be crazy. And they're from Palestine. 
So they have a legitimate claim, obviously, like all of that's clear. Now, Mo also has uh, a friend who's a barber, you know, and some other friends, you know, he goes to the hookah bar and, you know, they talk politics and stuff. And he also has a girlfriend who's Mexican. So how does his mother receive her? Now, his girlfriend, you know, she like has her own um, mechanic shop. She's doing well, but she supports Mo. He supports her. It's really a nice relationship. I did like the way they crafted that. This is how you respect people. So, something occurs that affects Mo's health. I'll say it that way because I don't want to give it away. And this has repercussions throughout the season. Also, are they going to be able to get asylum? Will they be granted? Because they have a lawyer who seems to be incompetent. Can they work that out? Also, what's going to happen as Mo is trying to find work? He loses jobs because he's not legal. What does he wind up doing? One of his side hustles is, you know, he sells some merchandise out of the trunk of his car. Mm. <laughs> you know, these are good counterfeit stuff. You know, I mean, hey, now, you want some counterfeit stuff, go to Mo. Go to Mo. Like in the first episode, he, he sells an unlikely person some Yeezys. like that kind of thing it's if you've seen Rami you can kind of anticipate the tone but what I will say in uh comparing it to Rami which by the way Rami is on Hulu again as the producer said Mo is on Netflix it just released um by the time this episode comes out it will be available I saw it before it was available so I have finished it but thinking about Mo versus Rami Because Mo's in Rami, too. He plays one of Rami's friends in there. But a different character, by the way. So comparing the two, I think that Mo has more of a heart. It's a sweeter story. Um, Now, this doesn't mean you don't get some outrageous moments. We get that in Rami. We get that here. But Rami's can be really outrageous. Um, Here, that's not the case. And I think one of the differences is, for Mo, he's trying to get asylum. So he's not established in this country legally. Whereas in Rami, that's already done. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, they're legal. No, no issue. So Rami's question is, how can Rami deal with being Egyptian and American? Like that clash of cultures, him coming of age, that's a more turbulent thing inside of him, in his psyche, in his emotions. Whereas for Mo, there's an external thing he's going after. So while that does affect him as a person, and you'll see that there's certain ways that that affects his relationships because he's trying to protect people. He doesn't always tell the truth as a result, but is that what they want? But he's trying to become, you know, legitimately American. I mean, he's been here forever. It's not like he's not. But can you get that legal grounding? Because then you can release all of that and be more of like what Arami is. He doesn't have time to be thinking about that. He's not even legal. So I think, you know, if we're comparing the two shows, that's an interesting thing that distinguishes the two mm. and makes it um, relevant that we have both of them. I never watched this and was like, okay, this is redundant when it comes to Rami. It has its own kind of feel. Another thing is Rami is in New York. This is in Houston. And you can tell the difference. I did like that. It, it feels like the place it's in which was nice. And this is what happens when you tell personal stories. Rami is Rami's inspired by Rami's story. Mo is inspired by Mo's. So in that way, we get to see a particular world, but it still feels universal. We can understand it. And that's really great storytelling. So what I would say though, to cap this is Rami is probably a better show. It's a more complex show. I would say Rami is very good to great. That's Rami. Like, it's a really, really good show that has lots of moments of greatness. For Mo, I would say it's good to very good. Mm. And that's no problem. I'll take it. Mm. Um, As a binge, I didn't want to binge it. Mm. I wanted it in doses. Now, it's not long episodes. They're half an hour around that and so on. Eight total. But it felt better to me that way. So that would be uh, something else I'd say to keep in mind. Uh, But overall, 
it made me feel good to watch it, even though not everything on screen that was happening was good. So you see what, what goes on with that. Because I didn't mention Moe's father. There's a whole thing with his father tied up in, you know, being legal. Mm -hmm. You'll see how that works. Mm -hmm. So there you go. If you like Rami, I would check out Moe. If you haven't seen either and you're going, hmm, okay. So they have this specific kind of storytelling that respects their characters, respects their, oh, uh, what would you call it? The place they're in. But it has comedic stuff in it. Mm -hmm. It also has tender moments. And it's all in a half an hour package. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. I will watch both. Yeah. Rami and Mo. Got it. Okay, yeah. cool. And um, next we have uh, House of the Dragon brought to us by HBO. If you're curious, you didn't know, um, this is a spinoff of Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> that happens to be based on a book <laughs> called Fire and Blood. I guess we could kind of anticipate... Um, critics uh commentary on this one but in a attempt not to assume i'm going to ask you to tell us what is this about who should be watching it i've read mm -hmm. fire and blood by the way because mm -hmm. uh, game of thrones i didn't read the book until after i started watching the show actually mm -hmm. or the books i should say and george rr R. martin was still waiting i mean Where's the next book? Like this, <laughs> this man will write anything but the follow-up that he should be writing. <laughs> so I read Fire and Blood, which is really a history of the Targaryen household and, you know, really what happened to the dragons. Because remember, they rode dragons, they were dragon masters and so on. And then leading up to Game of Thrones, dragons are gone. That's one of the main points of Game of Thrones. The dragons are back, is it? We have a dragon egg, you know, that whole thing. So it kind of tells that kind of history. And this show is purportedly going to show that to us on our screens. So we are about 200 years before the events of Game of Thrones. Again, it's about the Targaryens. We have the king, Viserys, played by Paddy Considine. And we have his brother, Prince Damon, played by Matt Smith. Um, now, we do see at the opening how the king came to be king. Because he received or, uh, you know, got the throne over someone else who had a potentially better claim. I don't know, but she's a woman. So she didn't get it. He is the male heir. So he has a daughter, uh, Princess Rhaenyra. And she's the firstborn, but she's a she. So he needs to have a son with his wife. His wife is pregnant. He knows a son is coming. If the son comes out, he is the heir apparent. Certainly not the daughter. Played by Emma Darcy. So Emma Darcy, by the way, plays her older. Millie Alcock, we see in the first episode, I should say. Now, this daughter, of course, wants to rule. She wants to be queen. Um, okay. Now, of course, the king has a council. And this council is going to advise, but does the king agree? The council doesn't like his brother. The brother is a threat. Because really, at the moment, without him giving birth to a son, his brother is his heir. So is the brother to be trusted? He does trust his brother. The council does not. So what happens in the first episode is the queen is about to give birth. And in anticipation of this, in celebration of it before it happens, the king decides to have a little joust. So we've all seen these scenes before. You know, they sit in their box and, you know, they do the joust and whoever wins, whatever. Now, as this is happening, this joust, the queen is giving birth. And they show the birth. Because it's just like Game of Thrones. Why not just show it all? You know, you want to show the violence and the sex and the blood and everything else. 
because that's a reason why a lot of people watch it. I don't even want to hear it about the, you know, okay, it's a political show and it's all this intricacies. A lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people watch it for the gore and the sex. Stop it. So that's really the anchor of this first episode. And in the end, we do have a clear heir to the throne. Or do we? Hmm. If I'm being charitable to Game of Thrones, the TV show, because I love the books. I would say this. They have characters. Like, you remember Varys. You remember Littlefinger. You remember each Stark. You remember the Targaryens. You remember. You remember the Lannisters, of course. All of them individually. Tyrion and so on. Cersei, you remember. These characters in House of the Dragon, outside of Matt Smith's prince, I couldn't care less. They're not interesting. I don't even know why I'm listening to them. It's like we're thrown back into Game of Thrones like we know who they are. I don't know these people. And I read the book. Like, <laughs> just... I don't care. They are not distinguished. They are not interesting. You know, she wants to be the heir. Why? I don't know. Why is she qualified to be that? I don't know. <laughs> like, give us something. Like, early on in Game of Thrones with Arya, you set up why she's special. It makes sense. I want to be, you know, in charge just because. I'm the oldest born. It should be me week hmm. I would say this is a shadow of Game of Thrones a shadow and that's not a show I've been quite charitable with <laughs> now every now and then I did say what it was good what I thought mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. but I'll tell you when it wasn't but to me if this was a missed opportunity and this is just the first episode who knows what it's going to turn into mm -hmm. but based on the first episode I was just like like, even some of the music was echoing Game of Thrones. Why? Because it's money. They're going, we've got to get this fan base. Essentially, this is a shadow Game of Thrones. We're bringing it back. We're, you know, in the guise of this, you know, story that's 200 years earlier. It kind of looks like it. Well, it does look like it. I thought that the special effects were lacking, though, in the first episode. I was not impressed. Um, I was just like, why am I watching this? I found it boring. Mm. I do think they have an opportunity, though, with the prince, with Matt Smith's character. I think that's their best bet. He's the most interesting. He's the most complicated. No one else even comes close to that. He's the one where you're like, what is he really thinking? To me, he should be king just because he's the most interesting. You can get rid of the king now. And I like Patty Considine as an actor. You can get rid of him, put Matt Smith in the kingdom you know i'll be fine um but there you go i i just i just want these people to tell something interesting mm -hmm. i just do it, it's just a lot of protecting brands from a monetary perspective um you know trying to uh leverage fandom in manipulative ways so you make your money back uh, trying to uh, court social media people by uh, creating these flat characters that are represent representatives of certain groups. I've already gotten how that's offensive to me. Um, you know, if you're going to do it, do it and give us the reason why. That is an opportunity. Like you go, okay, we have this character She's about to be passed over, but she's the oldest child of the king. Let's build a character who is worthy of the throne. Or at least someone who's going to build into that. Mm -hmm. Again, like I was saying before with She-Hulk, show her failing, show her trying to learn, show that struggle, then we'll be with her. We'll be with any character that way. I don't mm -hmm. care what group they belong to, but that's not the world we live in. The world we live in is dominated by social media. Not what's happening in the real world. What's happening on social media 
is what dominates. And that's dominated by a particular class of people who don't want to live in the real world. They want to create an imagined world online. Welcome. House of the Dragon. A dud in the first episode. Will I watch the second? Probably. But if it's like this, I can't do it again. <laughs> I just can't. No. Hmm. That's unfortunate. There was so much potential there. Um, oh, don't worry. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> you know, they, they got like uh, almost 10 million viewers, oh, yeah. which um, was huge. You know, it's an amazing thing. Who knew that they could get 10 million viewers when the finale of Game of Thrones had 16 million? Who knew <laughs> that 10 million people would actually tune into this? You know, so it's already a success. Mm -hmm. It's already great. It's one of the best shows ever, I'm sure, already. Uh, the critics are kind of on it. You know, I think the meta score was 67. Mm. That was interesting to see. That's too high to me. My meta score would be a 25. Okay. Which is terrible. Mm. <laughs> That's what I would give this first episode. Mm. And it. It, it got 25 points for Matt Smith's character. Mm. Yeah. All right. Feel free to come for me. I know. I'm done. I don't care. I'm over it. Somebody got to say the truth. Somebody has to do it for all of our sanities. Yes. Mm. All right, guys. So that's another episode of uh, Why Watch That. <laughs> you know, we love to end on a high note, so we we didn't disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you have Mo. I think Mo is a definite win. And see, it, and, and then I'll wrap up after this. But there's a theme in this episode, so let's complete it. Mo is a win because they respect the characters. There are all kinds of people who are from different groups in Mo, but I'm never watching it going, oh, this is the this person. This is the black guy. Here's the Mexican chick. You know, that kind of thing. No, these are people. So it's honorable. Mm -hmm. That's how you do it. If you want to do an agenda, you tell a good story that's representative. But see, that's harder to do. It's much easier just to slap people in and market it and then pull up certain fans who've lost their minds, which aren't all fans, just the worst of the worst, or take certain people's comments out of context, whatever suits you, and turn it into, oh, see there, the fans are, you know, bigoted and all that. Some of them are. A lot of them are not. And this is why they don't like it. That's what they do. This is the playbook. It happens every single time. I've said it before on this show, and I'll say it again. I don't want anybody to be abused. I really don't. Um, but social media abuse, like, don't go to social media. That's my opinion. Mm. Don't go. Don't seek it out. You can find all kinds of things on social media. Um, so, you know, if there are certain fans who are completely ridiculous and offensive, it's social media. That's my opinion. We got some real problems in the world. This ain't it. It ain't high paid actors being called names, even vile, disgusting names that should not be countenanced. Even that. You give me 200K per episode, call me whatever you want. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this. I will not be going, oh, look at what they called me. I'm like, you see that bank account? I done told you what sales told us about the market rate. They can afford the market rate. You can afford the market rate. Whatever you say on social media, I don't care. So these nitwit fans, and that's not all of them. I don't even know if it's most. I don't even think it's most of them. It's, not, it's a small percentage see, of weirdos. See, this yeah. is what they do. And when you read the trades, if you read some of these trades, the way they do this, the way they uh, market this stuff, I find completely disgusting because it's manipulative nonsense. Your cherry pick. I don't even know if these fans are real. They could be bots. Watch the undeclared war. They deal with bots. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. So see, this is what I'm saying. You know, if we were big enough, there would be bots calling me a racist and a sexist. <laughs> yeah. It would. Yeah. Just for telling the truth. When it's actually the opposite. I'm saying, no, you need to respect the groups that you represent. Instead yeah. of using them as pawns. Because that's what's happening. So anyway, I, Mo, won, even the Undeclared War, when it's about that, they mm -hmm. have representative people in there. 
I don't want to know their backstory, but you know, just yeah, let's go. <laughs> Whatever. Partner track is representative. It's bad, but it, I wasn't watching it going, okay, they're going to come out and say, oh, look at how representative we are. That's why it's good. No, mm-hmm. it's a soap. They know what they're, you know, they know what they're making. I just think they didn't quite know their story. Orphan first kill. That ain't representative at all. <laughs> well, they do. They do have the detective, but you know, that's not, that doesn't count. <laughs> but who cares? I'm not watching it going, look at all these white people. Anyway. All right, guys, listen, the moral of this episode is <laughs> put some respect on the name, whatever the name is, the group is, the whatever. <laughs> Stop being lazy. And and you know what? More people need to call this out. They need to call this out. They really do. Mm. You have not done your job. You're trying to cover it by pointing to certain bot fans. No. Mm. And other people who just need help. Get off of social media. Oh my gosh. 200K an episode. You think I care? <laughs> you give me 10K an episode. I wouldn't care. <laughs> 5K. <laughs> Alright, if we have a long season 20 episodes, that's 100,000 I wouldn't care Say whatever you, you You're not in the real world Alright, I'm done I'm done you know, We've got all around the Marbury Bush And we're happy that you guys have joined us On another journey of Why watch that Until next time Thanks for joining us For up-to-date info and to share what's on your watch list, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Why Watch That, and on Twitter at WWT Radio. Also, you can visit us at whywatchthat.com. And while you're at it, don't forget to go ahead and rate Why Watch That Radio on iTunes. Let's keep the conversation going.